So we're going to continue our sermon series today. Um, the title is uh, The Prophet, A Timeless Word for Present Time. So we hung out with Isaiah last week. Today is the prophet Hosea. Uh, we're going to uh, meet Amos uh, next week, and we're going to get reacquainted with Jonah. Uh, Hosea. Hosea's time was a, a challenging time. Um, it says, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, um, in the days of King Jeroboam, a son of Joash of Israel. Um, Hosea, son of Beeri. We don't know a whole lot about uh, Hosea. Um, most scholars uh, can, can just... Uh, take information from the text itself and from the poetry that he wrote and, and, and stuff like that. Um, Abraham Heschel. Abraham Heschel uh, is a, a Polish-born American rabbi um, and was just one of the great Jewish philosophical minds and, and, and theologians, um, uh, one of the greatest of the 20th century, actually. And, and so in his book on the prophets, um, uh, no one else gave uh, this kind of detail. Um, he, he talked about uh, Hosea's prophecy dealing primarily with the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, I think about 200 years after the kingdom of Israel split into the northern kingdom and in, into the southern kingdom, which is called Judah, and that he uh, prophesied to the northern kingdom um, primarily about their, about their morals, about their religion, about their politics. Um, and his favorite name for the land was Ephraim. So when you're reading your Bible and you, you come across um, uh, that title, uh, then you know it's talking about the northern kingdom of Israel. And so, um, Dr. Heschel says, uh, we know that Hosea was married, the father of three children, and well acquainted with agricultural life. From his use of certain striking figures of speech, it has been suggested that he was a baker. I thought that was really cool. He lived as a farmer on the land, was associated with the priesthood and sanctuaries, and with the same right, we could suggest that he was a lover of the desert, an expert on lions, panthers, and bears. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Um, well, not a lot's known about Hosea. Absolutely nothing is known about his dad, uh, Hosea, son of Beery, <laughs> except that maybe that's kind of a cool name. <laughs> um, but we do know something about the times. Uh, Hosea... Uh, was, was a prophet in the 8th century, um, situated between 750, 8th century B.C. or B.C.E., uh, 750 and 724 uh, B.C. Um, the last years of uh, King Jeroboam II and um, the fall of the northern kingdom to the Assyrians in the year 721 uh, B.C. And so uh, what I've learned is that Hosea prophesied during a very politically turbulent time. Like it was crazy. There were assassinations all over the place. Like of the six kings that ascended to the throne, five of them experienced a, a violent death. Um, the nation of Assyria kept growing and had visions of an empire. And so they just kind of kept encroaching on, uh, on, on the land of Israel. During this time, there were clashes with this southern kingdom of Judah. And so the northern kingdom, um, 
you know, made some alliances and, and there was this kind of, uh, I suppose, like civil war uh, going on there. Um, Israel's foreign policy, this northern kingdom of Israel, um, was completely unpredictable. Abraham uh, Heschel, when I was uh, reading his book, he called it political promiscuity. They were smooching with Egypt, uh, cozying up to them, even cozying up to the Assyrians. And so they're kind of caught in the middle. Um, and it didn't turn out well for them. Uh, they ended up being um, taken into exile by the, by the Assyrians. Um, during this turbulent time, there, there was a lot of um, economic abuse uh, in the land. The um, inequities between the rich and the poor what um, was pretty stark, and after Jeroboam the second's death, it really became uh, clear just how wide the gap was and how problematic that was. And then there was the um, uh, the religious stuff. Um, religious promiscuity is, is probably a good good way to describe that too. So what we see is that Israel has embraced a Canaanite religion, um, and so in the book of Hosea there. Are several different metaphors that, that are used to talk about the relationship between God and God's people. Um, uh, in, in the text that, that we read today, the very beginning of the book of Hosea, it's the husband-wife metaphor. When you get to chapter 4, um, especially you see it in chapter 11, there's this, the, the metaphor of the, of the parent and the child, the father, the son, and, and, and so on. Um, so Israel is accused of chasing after her lovers. Um, which are, are the Baals, the, the, the gods that, that they chased after. In, in Canaanite mythology, uh, Baal or Baal was the, uh, the storm god who was uh, kind of responsible for um, the life-giving rains. Um, and, you know, in a kind of an arid, dry region like that, I mean, that's, that's the difference between life and death if you've got if you've got the rains for the crops and um, just for life, period. And so what you would find um, in Canaanite religion were just, were just a lot of fertility rituals because that was kind of like what, what it was about. And uh, these fertility rituals at the temple sometimes, oh, how do I say this with kids in the room? Let's just say there was, there was uh, you know, kind of like hanky-panky and stuff. Um, so anyway, um, Israel has rebelled. That's the context. Uh, king Jeroboam II, uh, some scholars consider him to be the, the worst king ever, um, doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, and so they're challenging times, and God needs a prophet. And, and so God sends Hosea. Uh, verse 2 of the text that was read earlier. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Well, the NIV you know, calls it um, uh, you know, an adulterous nation. Go, go take a wife of adultery, um, have, have uh, a, a children of, of adultery. <laughs> it's like his life was to be acted out in front of all of the people. His life was like a Broadway show. It was like this, this living parable for everyone to see. But I discovered, and maybe you've been familiar with that too as you've lived with your Bible, that that happens from time to time. Like in Jeremiah 27, God calls the prophet Jeremiah and, and uh, tells him to wear a yoke around his neck and to walk around with a yoke around his neck 
as a, as a symbol of the yoke of Babylon and the slavery that was, uh, that was coming on them. It was kind of like as a, as a warning. Um, and, and like uh, in, in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 20, Isaiah says, uh, or God says to Isaiah, Go and, and loosen the sackcloth from your loins and take uh, the, the sandals off of your, off of your feet. And uh, I, I wrote down verse 3, it says, Then the Lord said, Just as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot for three years as a sign and a portent against Egypt and Ethiopia. And I read that and I thought, I thought my calling into the ministry uh, was, was bad. I mean, uh, when the w- word of the Lord came to me, it was climb into the pulpit fully clothed and preach. <laughs> uh, nothing compared to this. So God comes to Hosea and, and this is the word of the Lord that comes. This is the call on his life. Um, nothing else like it in the Bible. So in verse 3, uh, he went and took Gomer, daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. So that one verse uh, covers a lot of ground. First of all, um, there's no indication uh, that Hosea wrestled at all with this call from God. Like, you want me to do what? Um, and also we know in this one verse, uh, he went and took Gomer as his wife, and she bore and conceived a son. Well, we know there's, a, there's at least uh, nine months. Uh, you know, it takes nine months, um, you know, for, for that sort of thing. Well, she bears three children for Hosea. And that was one of my questions. I don't know that I ever got complete clarity on it. You know, the, 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 the first account of the first child, Jezreel, um, it says that she bore him a son. Now, the other two children, it just says she bore a son, which takes me back to the calling, you know, where God says, um, have children of adultery. So I wonder if, if maybe two of these kids, um, Hosea just adopted, like they weren't really his. I thought about his life of ministry, a, a wife who is constantly running away and chasing after other, other lovers, of his going and, and bringing her back. Um, this amazing picture of acceptance and forgiveness and let's, let's try this again. Um, a heart that's overflowing with love. Um, well, the, the stuff about the kids' names is, is really interesting to me. Um, Hosea's, Hosea's three children, like each of them represents kind of this, this deteriorating state of the nation. So Jezreel is, is, the, is the first son's name. Um, well, if you know a little bit about the geography um, of the Northern Kingdom, uh, there's this Northern hill country and it's called the Jez- Jezreel. And it's just this, this fruitful plain that's just kind of nestled in there. And, and so one of the things that I learned was that that Jezreel was also the site of this, this uh, brutal massacre, like political and religious massacre of, of King Jehu, who is uh, King Jeroboam II. I, I didn't count the greats, but you know, his great, great, great uh, grandfather um, horribly massacred all these people. You can read about it if you're interested in, in 2 Kings chapter 9 and, and 10. 
Um, so with the naming of this first son, naming this first son Jezreel and, and the, the comments that come after, um, it seems like the house of Jehu is, is going to be punished for that, um, which also means the, the house of, of Jeroboam. And then uh, Gomer, Hosea, his wife, um, uh, she conceives and um, she has another child, and it's a girl this time, Lo-Ruama. Uh, Lo-Ruama, or I don't know exactly how you pronounce it. Like in Hebrew, maybe it's Lo-Ruhama. There's some of that kind of guttural stuff that, that happens, which is cool. Um, but literally the name means she is not pitied. And, it, and when you study your Bible, you, oftentimes that'll be the footnote down, down in the bottom. Um, but the name, when you dig a little deeper, uh, the, the name Lo-Ruama is, is uh, associated with the Hebrew noun Rechem, which means womb, and Ruhama, which means pitied. Womb and pitied. And it refers to the, the, recipients, the, or, or the recipient of God's maternal compassion. So, <laughs> what God is saying to Hosea by naming the daughter, Lo Ruhama, is that God will no longer have such compassion on the kingdom of Israel. Uh, and then there's the, the third child, Lo Ami. Uh, to me, this one is strikingly painful. Uh, literally, it means not my people. Um, it's a son. Lo-Ami. Name your son Lo-Ami. And in verse 9 of our text for today, you are not my people and I am not your God. That's how our reading ended. It's kind of a, a tough way to end a scripture passage for a worship time together, I know. God says, you are not my people and I am not your God. You know, this is covenant language. And, and just, a, you know, just a, a, a few verses uh, about the covenant. Way in the beginning, in Exodus chapter 6, um, verse 7, God says, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. I shall know that I am the Lord your God who has... You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. And, and then... In uh, Leviticus chapter 26, verses 12 and 13. Um, and I will walk among you. This is God speaking to the people. Uh, and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be their slaves no more. Powerful stuff. I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk upright. Like that's the covenant promise. That's what God did. And then one more. This one might actually be familiar. Um, it's, it's Ezekiel chapter 36. It's the, the passage where he says, I will sprinkle you with clean water. And he says, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And, and he says, I, I, you shall be my people. I will be your God. Like that's what's in the history. That's what the people have always heard. But now, in the prophet Hosea, with the naming of this third child, his second son, Loami, it symbolizes the nullification of the covenant. I mean, that's just really harsh. So, 
it's, it's just about this punishment that will come on the, the kingdom of Israel because of their promiscuity, their political promiscuity, their religious promiscuity. And so I wondered about that. Like, what if uh, Hosea's drama, what if his living parable were, were, were played out today in the 21st century? Like, I, I, I wonder how would it impact me? And, and I think about uh, political promiscuity. Um, well, when I think about politics, and I think about what, what's at the heart of it, I think when politics goes south, goes the wrong way, that happens when what, what floats to the surface is, is the power and, and the greed and this, this idea of, of self-preservation. I think it's always been there, regardless of what political party is, uh, you know, has got the reins. It's like I'm, I'm trying to preserve myself, my power, uh, at the expense of others, um, at the expense of the group. And, and this religious promiscuity, um, when, I, when I think about applying that to me, I think about um, what is my heart chasing after? Like, uh, who, who are my lovers, so to speak? Who are the gods that uh, I'm replacing God with? Now, uh, I, I would never call them Baal, um, but they have names, the gods that we chase after. And the names are as old as time itself, you know? Uh, wealth, pleasure, comfort, leisure, uh, respect, prestige. Sometimes they don't have to be these seemingly great big sins. I think oftentimes it's just this very subtle thing that pulls my heart away, um, that gets me off the path, that, that disappoints God. I, I want to end with hope, you know. I'm an optimist. I feel like there's always hope. There's always possibility. Um, this, page 218, I want to read you this. Um, Gail Yee is a, a, a scholar and a, an expert with Hosea. I, I just want to, I want to read you what she said because it filled me with hope. The eschatological formula on that day, and you know, eschatological stuff is, is talking about that day that's coming, um, the, the end times. Like, uh, when you really play that out, it's like when God's going to set things right. The eschatological formula on that day, um, this is in verse 4 of our text for today. Um, it directs attention to a future event. Instead of terminating the rule of the house of Israel, God will break the bow of Israel. The breaking of the bow signifies not only the destruction of military power, but also the end of war and the inauguration of peace. The latter interpretation of breaking the bow is certainly the sense that we see in Hosea 2.18, which uh, Hosea 1.5 in our text anticipates. So moreover, um, verse 5 reinterprets the symbolic blood of Jezreel 
where the massacre was, um, as a location, the Valley of Jezreel. So in this valley, once the site of a bloody massacre, God will abolish all war. The shift from symbol to location foreshadows the wordplay on Jezreel. Um, so God will sow Israel like a seed into the land. I just want to end by reading the poetry of chapter 2. It, it's just a, a few verses, a few being about eight. <laughs> On that day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be mentioned by name no more. I will make for you a covenant on that day with the wild animals, the, the birds of the air, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. And I will take you for my wife forever. I will take you for my wife in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will take you for my wife in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord on that day. I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth, and the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. And I will sow him for myself in the land. And I will have pity on Lo Ruhamah. And I will say to Lo Ami, You are my people. And he shall say, You are my God. Amen.